The scripture reading for this morning comes from Luke 1, 46 through 55. This is God's word. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. A couple of news articles that came to mind as I looked at this passage this week, uh, both from the New York Times, one from a few years ago. There was an article that came out in the New York Times uh, reviewing a few different books that had come out that summer, all that had the theme of love and romance. And the person writing the article just made the observation that the language that we use to talk about relationships and romance is the kind of language that we used to only reserve for God. Um, you know, you're my moon and my stars and I rest in darkness without you. That as a society, we reserved that language for only God once upon a time, but that now we had moved past that. We reserve that kind of you know, transcendent, I love you kind of language, really only for, for other humans, for romantic relationships. And the author was just asking the question, are we better off? Do we have more joy? Because we don't use that language anymore about God. We only use it about each other. And the other article I read just came out this week. And it's part of a series in the New York Times about addiction. And it's called Hooked in America. You might have seen this. And the author had gone to West Virginia and had found um, different communities of addicts there in West Virginia. And this particular woman that she was interviewing um, had been addicted to opioids. And she was looking back at her opioid addiction, uh, now that she was clean, just reflecting on it. And she said that, at that time of my life, when I was in that addiction, I was joyless, had no joy. But I didn't know it. She said, because at that time, she was in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you don't notice that you don't have any joy. Because you're just going from one craving to another. The Bible would say one lust to another. And you may not even notice when you're in survival mode that you don't have any joy. And this morning, if you're here and using language like, God, you are my joy and my everything. If that makes you feel a little uncomfortable or if you feel like, um, you're in survival mode. That, that might not look like uh, opioid addiction, although it might. But if you feel like you're in survival mode this morning, and you're not even sure if you have any joy, this passage is especially for you. We are talking about a song that Mary sung in the first chapter of Luke. It's often read around Christmas time. And if this passage were just about Mary singing about becoming pregnant, uh, Many of us wouldn't have a lot to learn from this passage. However, 
if this, if this song, if Mary's song is about transcendent things, bigger realities than just uh, becoming pregnant, then we really have a lot to learn from it. And so I want to especially look at three things this morning about joy, joy's direction and joy's warning and joy's discovery, the direction, the warning and the discovery. Our son, Eli, uh, who's here this morning, one of the things that he loves to do is put puzzles together. And I I like putting puzzles together with him. And uh, when I'm putting these puzzles together, I have got to have the picture of the puzzle in front of me or I I can't, I'm lost. I I don't know what to do. He seems to be able to do it without the picture, but I have got to have that picture there to give me some kind of direction about what I'm shooting for. And... In many ways, that's what Mary's song is meant to do for us, to give us some direction, to help us to see, for my soul, for my life, for the things that I want to do, what am I shooting for? What am I aiming for? What's my direction? Mary's song is is really a picture of something that humanity forgets. Uh, Humanity goes after joy in so many different places, right? We look for joy in, and I'm talking about ultimate joy, right? Ultimate joy in uh, a significant other, or in my career, or in what my colleagues think about me. That's that's where humanity wants to put its joy. And Mary's song is a picture of what it looks like to direct our joy ultimately to God. And you see this in uh, the, the very beginning of her song. She starts out, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And Mary's story is really a a, a picture of what it looks like to direct our soul's joy to God. How does Mary's story start out in Luke? It's really a story of two mothers and two angels. And these two mothers are Elizabeth, a relative of, of Mary, and then Mary herself. And both of these women are visited by these creatures from another world. And these creatures from another world, the Bible says, are angels. And what Luke is trying to do is to tell us that we've got to find our joy outside of this world. These angels and their appearance to Mary and to Elizabeth is God's revelation to us that finding joy in this world won't work. Finding joy in the things of this earth, it won't work out the way that we're hoping that it will. But if we will listen to this voice from another world, from heaven... From God himself, we can find joy. And and the things that we long for will be fulfilled if we can lift our eyes and direct our joy towards God. And you can put it like this. Why was Mary blessed? Traditionally, and this is from the Bible, she's called uh, the blessed one. the, The blessed one. Why was she blessed? Was it because her children turned out to be you know, healthy and wealthy and successful and well? No. Um, one of her children um, led the most uh, you know, sorrowful life and, and deeply humiliating life that, that a person can experience. That's how one of Mary's children turned out. Um, did, was Mary blessed because she, you know, Everything on her Amazon wish list, she got it. Um, Was she blessed because the whole town or the whole church or the whole community just loved her and thought she was great? No, what happened with her and with her son divided the community. 
There were people that probably hated Mary, right? Because they hated the gospel and they hated the Christ that had been born from her. She wasn't blessed for any of those reasons, but she was blessed because she found joy in God. And C.S. Lewis um, puts it this way. I, I know some of you have heard this quote before, but he says, Creatures are not... Uh, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger, well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, well, there is such a thing as water. We feel sexual desire, well, there is such a thing as sex. If I find in myself a desire which no other experience in the world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And this is the question that I think Mary is inviting us to ask uh, of ourselves. How would your life look different in 2019, coming to the end of the year? How would 2019 look different for you if you thought more in terms of finding my joy in God and less in terms of what am I going to, what's going to happen to me today? What, what's going to happen in this relationship that I'm in? And how's that going to fulfill the things that I long for? Mary's song is an invitation for us to redirect our joy from this earth towards God. And uh, one person I heard this past week, uh, they were talking about different holidays, uh, especially Christian holidays, you know, Easter and Christmas and They said this, that Christmas is the most sensual holiday. And I thought, that's kind of a weird thing to say. Christmas is the most sensual holiday. But what he meant was this, that no other holiday of the year is full of more um, smells and tastes and things that we can see that might tempt us to go, this earth was meant to be my home And the things of this earth can really satisfy my soul's deepest longing. I think this earth can do it. No other holiday like Christmas tempts us that way. Right? That's probably because uh, depression is, is never at its highest as it is at Christmas. Right? Because we're in constant letdown mode. We hear those promises, immediate letdown. And what Mary's song is inviting us to ask is... What if I'm supposed to find my home in God? Don't you long to find your home, where you belong? If I can find where I belong, there'll be joy there. And Mary is saying, what if we found our home in God himself? Don't you long to know who you're supposed to be? A man or a woman or a boy or a girl? Like, what am I supposed to be? I know if I can become that person, there'll be joy there. There'll be fullness in life. And Mary's song is God just uh, whispering to us that you were meant to become the kind of man or woman that finds joy in God, to direct your joy and your ultimate joy in God himself. So that's Joy's direction. What's Joy's warning? Um, I just flew uh, to Denver and back um, just last week as a part of our annual training Uh, I'm a campus minister at UAB, and we uh, have an annual training in Denver. And so I'm at the airport looking at the book rack. And, uh, of course, there's that book that's always there. It's uh, Precious Promises from God. 
And I laughed because a former pastor of mine uh, would always say that there ought to be a companion volume, uh, the, the precious warnings from God, um, in addition to the precious promises from God. And Mary's song is full of promises, and we want to park there, but it is also full um, of warnings. And two things here. Um, who's being warned, and what are those warnings? This is Joy's warning. Who's being warned, and what are the warnings? And the scripture says that the people who are being warned here are the proud, and they're the mighty, and they're the rich, Mary's song says. And who are these people, really? The proud, and the mighty, and the rich. Well, there are two types of people, really, the proud, and the mighty, and the rich. And the first is the religious type of person. Now, the person that might show up to church on a Sunday morning. And the proud and the mighty and the rich, if you're the religious type, um, is the type of person that has redirected their joy from God to their own, how spiritual they are. Um, they found an alternative path, not taking joy in God, and instead they're taking joy in their own righteousness. And, and they're always surprised that, uh, that, that you don't think they're so righteous. And they're always disappointed in you because they're more righteous than you are. And they love to talk about how we ought to be more righteous because they think they're very righteous and that you're not. And Mary is saying, God has got a warning for this type of person. Or it might look like um, trying to keep the religious conservatives in power in your congregation or the religious conservatives in power in your denomination or in your country even. And this type of religious person, they're not taking joy in God, right? Their ultimate joy is not in God and and, and his love for them. But it's in staying in religious power. And they're in love and they have a lust after religious power in their group or even in their whole country. And Mary, in her song, has got a warning for those type, the proud. The people that think they're in control. But there's also... Another type of person, uh, the proud and the mighty and the rich. And it's, it's really the, the non-religious person. If you're here this morning and, and you're not particularly religious, um, you might fit into this warning. And it's the type of person that says this, um, I don't really think there's a God, and if there is, who cares? Um, man, I just want to feel good. And I want to experience everything that I can in this life. I want to taste all the tastes, and I want to drink all the drinks, and I want to feel all the feels, and I want to feel good. And this type of person, God says, is full of pride. They think that they're mighty. They think that their life is going to go well. But Mary has got a warning for them. Or it might even look like deep, deep cynicism. The proud and the mighty can even be a person full of cynicism. Because it's that person who says, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in anything, and I don't believe anything that you're saying. Because ultimately that person, what are they implying? That I know everything. I've looked under every rock in the universe. I've looked behind every planet in the solar system. Um, I've been everywhere and I've done everything. So they say, and I know that none of this stuff that God is talking about can be right. They're full of pride, right? They're making themselves out to be bigger and smarter and stronger than they really are. 
Those are the people that the warning is for. And what is the warning? Mary says that he will send you away empty, you who are full of pride. You think that you're mighty, you think that you're rich, God is going to send you away empty. He will bring you down from your throne, Mary sings. He will make the thoughts of your heart scattered. And what does that mean? It means that if you are determined to find your joy in anything besides God, if if you are determined to think because of your own pride that you can buy your way to happiness or that you can have all your relationships just the way that you want them and, and, and and get to happiness that way, If you want to find your happiness in anything else besides God, your life does tend to fall apart, right? You know, if you obsess over food, you're going to have health problems. Uh, If you you obsess over drink, that's going to mess up your relationships and your career. Uh, If you obsess over everyone liking you all the time, uh, you, you wind up, it's very difficult for you to connect with people. You don't have friends. And that's just kind of the natural course of things, right? If you try to wrap your life around anything besides God, things tend to fall apart. But God is taking it one step further. This is what Mary is singing about. Is that if you want to find your joy in anything besides God, you will find that your life falls apart not just because that's the natural course of things. But your life will begin to fall apart because God will be directly set against you. To make your life miserable. And I say that with fear and trembling. Mary's song is about the good news of the gospel. But part of the good news of the gospel is the bad news of the gospel. And the bad news for sinners is that God is directly set against you to bring you down from your throne if you think that you're on it. Or if you think that you're wealthy and you think that you're rich, God will be personally involved in your life to make you feel all the time as if you had nothing. And you will be terrified of having nothing if you make your life about trying to get everything. And there's that old saying that um, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I say it's an old saying like it's from the Puritans or something. I think it's like 50 years old maybe. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. You've all heard this. Does God uh, love the proud and the mighty and the rich and have a wonderful plan for their life? And this is what I would say from Scripture. This. That God is not given these warnings because he, he hates the proud and he hates the, uh, the mighty and because he hates the rich. But God wants to warn them because he loves them. And if that's you this morning, God wants to warn you because he loves you and he cares about you. And God's invitation to you is to think about if you are this person who's determined to find joy, not in God, but in the things of this earth, what's your life going to look like? How's that going to play out uh, for the next week, the next year, the next 20 years? What will you have in 20 years? If you wrap your, your heart and your mind around pleasure and power and possessions, what will you have? And Mary is singing a warning. That there's no joy there. There's no joy there. So, so turn back because there's time. There's time. Joy's warning. 
finally, Joy's discovery. And this is really the part of the passage that I'm most excited about. Um, when I was growing up, my favorite Christmas present was this microscope that I got from my parents. And I didn't treat my toys particularly well growing up. Uh, you know, they didn't last too long. But this microscope I got in elementary school, I treated it like it was gold. And I would make sure and put it away, and I took very good care of it. Because I love being able to put those slides that you would buy underneath this microscope, magnify what was there, and it was this whole new world that opened up. Things that I could not see before, I could see once I put it under this this magnifying um, microscope lens. And this is what Mary's song is all about. Uh, Traditionally, it's been called the Magnificat, right? That word magnify is right there. Mary is making God big. It's as if God has given us the song by Mary because Mary is like a magnifying glass that we can put up to God and discover new things, see things that we've never seen before. Um, And there's two things that I think Mary discovers. And the first is good news. And the second is that it's in community. Um, Why is this good news for Mary and good news for us? And it's good news because it has to do with the deepest, darkest parts of us. It has to do with with the parts of you that you're most ashamed of. uh, The parts of you that you've never told anyone anyone about. uh, The parts of you that you've um, only confided in your counselor about. Mary's song is good news for us because God wants to go there in the deepest, darkest parts of us and to heal and to cleanse. What does Mary call God? Mary calls God her Savior. And she magnifies the mercy and the grace of God. She doesn't just think of God as the one that's going to give her what she wants. But when she sees God, when she sees him as he truly is, she says, you are my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And that word Savior in the Bible has a very specific meaning, and it's this, that God made me for glory. And instead of living for his glory, I have become more like an animal, living for my cravings and for power and pleasure and possessions. And though God might have every right to say, I'm through with you. I loved you and you rejected my love. Instead, God has come after us. We who have rejected his love, and he has sent Jesus Christ, the one uh, who was going to be born from Mary, to die for our sins and to rise from the dead for our righteousness so that we might be adopted into God's family. And when Mary sees God, she says, that's my God, the one who would rescue me. And this is the amazing thing. It's that, um, you know, why do children break into spontaneous song? You ever been around kids when they did this? My kids did this just a few weeks ago when it snowed like, you know, a quarter of a millimeter up in uh, Hoover where we live. And they looked out the window, spontaneous song. Children only do that when there's good news. What does that tell us about the human heart? It's that if we were going to find our joy in God, we have got to have that good news right in front of us. 
We have got to put the magnifying glass of our hearts on that good news and just park out there, abide there, think about it, and mull it over our, in our minds and, and chew it up uh, in our hearts and taste it. That's how we'll become joyful. The good news is this, is that before we can ever sing to God, you're my joy, I magnify you, God has sung over us. And he does this in Zephaniah 3. This was um, in your bulletin where, uh, in the Old Testament, God's word says this, The Lord will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And I love the fact that God put the word loud in there. God doesn't just want to sing over you, but he wants to sing loudly over you. When I was growing up, one of my first memories of being in church was hearing my mother sing next to me so loudly that I was a little embarrassed. And I thought, Mom, quiet down a little. Like, there's people around. The good news for us is that even when we're not singing to God, even when we have no joy in God, when we cannot sing to Him, He is singing over us in Jesus Christ. And He's doing it in a way that feels a little embarrassing to us. Um, It feels extravagant. Um, Calm down, God. But God's love is extravagant. And his promise is that he sings over us, even when we're not singing to him. And if you're in survival mode this morning, what if you remembered that uh, the next few weeks and in 2019? Um... What would the holidays look differently for you if you remembered God singing over you? Might you be able to sing to him more? And this all happens in community. Um, What made Mary sing? Well, God did. Who did uh, God use to help Mary sing? Did Mary sing when the angel, this creature from another world, when the angel came and, uh, and spoke to Mary? Is that when Mary sang? No. It wasn't until Elizabeth her ordinary relative, who she had grown up with, no doubt. And she went into the living room of Elizabeth's home. And Elizabeth said, you are blessed among all women. And reminded Mary of the things that God was going to do, and that's when Mary sang. And she even uh, mentions Israel and Abraham, and we don't have time to, to go into all of that, but who is Israel? Who's the offspring? Well, it's the church. It's Red Mountain Church. Um, It's your community group when it gets together. Um, What will make our community groups more joyful? Do you want your community group to be more joyful? Um, How will that happen? It'll happen by putting the good news of the gospel front and center. Um, Do you want your home to be more joyful? Whether you live alone or you have a family of 12. What's going to make your home a more joyful place? Keeping the gospel front and center. That's what will do it. And to end this morning, I wanted to make sure and say this. You might be here this morning and you read Mary's song and you hear what I'm saying about I'm supposed to magnify the Lord. I'm supposed to take joy in God. And there's just, the, you know, the gospel, it's good news. I hear all that. I just don't feel it. I, I don't have joy towards God. Um, And I just feel like I'm going to be pretending. If I say my soul magnifies the Lord, I feel like I'm pretending because I don't really feel like my soul magnifies the Lord. 
And I'm not trying to flood you out with C.S. Lewis this morning, but uh, I, I thought this, this is good and it's also biblical. There's two kinds of pretending. There's the bad kind of pretending where you have malicious intent and you want to deceive in order to manipulate someone and you pretend. But there's also a good kind of pretending. And it's the kind of pretending that pretends in hope. I know these things are true. I do not feel it at all. But I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. And I'm going to act as though these things are true. And the Bible says that's a good kind of pretending. And it feels like this. Heavenly Father, I do not feel joyful. I have no joy. Um, Heavenly Father, what I do feel is anger. What I do feel is deep shame. I am terrified. That's what I feel. If we will hold the magnifying glass of our souls up to the good news of the gospel, and if we will begin to sing in our hearts towards God, I magnify you. You have died for me and forgiven all of my sins. When we start to do that, don't be surprised when you find that Jesus Christ has taken you by the hand in your state of joylessness. And he takes you by the hand and he says, I was a man of constant sorrows and I wept. And I said things like, my God, why have you forsaken me? But he has come to take us by the hand, to to lead us up the on-ramp, up to the real thing. To lead us up to where we can really feel joy in our hearts. If we will do it, if we will praise God we'll begin to act in faith and hope that these things are true and I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to praise you, God. And I'm going to trust Jesus. You're going to take me by the hand so that I can feel these things and I'm going to wait till the day when I can feel them completely when you come back. Let me invite you this morning um, to pray with me as we close. Um, Let's pray that God would help us to hear him singing over us. Um, in order that our hearts might be full of joy towards him, that we can sing to him. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do confess that our hearts are busy, and this world is mesmerizing to our sinful hearts, and we do forget about you. Would you lift our eyes towards you, Lord Jesus? Help us to see the good news clearly that we might open our lips even when we don't feel it and sing your praises and magnify you. We have no other way. We can't turn from you. You've promised to meet us there. And so we ask that you would turn our hearts towards you to remember that you sing over us even when we don't sing to you. Fill us with the joy of the gospel. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.